Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. May your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. A book that's been very influential in my Christian journey is The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, where a man whose name we are never given is provided a guided tour of heaven and hell. And in heaven, he encounters a woman whose beauty is described as unbearable. The luminous woman is surrounded by people who dance before her and offer unceasing words of gratitude. And so naturally, he asks this woman, was she someone significant? someone famous while on earth, actually says the guide, no, you have never heard of her. This is Sarah Smith, and she lived at Golders Green. She is certainly famous, but fame on earth and fame in heaven are two very different things. And so the narrator asks about the dancing throngs that surround her, These are her sons and her daughters, the guide replies. So, she had a large family, asked the man. Not exactly, said the guide. You see, every young boy or man that met Sarah became her son, even the boy that brought the meat to the back door. And likewise, every girl she met became her daughter. Now, it's been well over a decade since I've read The Great Divorce, but I will never forget about Sarah Smith, who for Lewis was symbolic of a person unknown while here on earth, but famous in heaven, famous for the quality of love with which she lived her life. I'm reminded of what Albert Schweitzer said when he was asked to name the greatest person alive And many would have said that Schweitzer himself was worthy of that honor. But when asked the question, he replied, the greatest person alive at this moment is some unknown individual in some obscure place who at this hour has gone in love to be with another person in need. So one of the ways we can think about Advent is to affirm that this is a time to prepare ourselves for the fame of heaven. And to be clear, that doesn't mean we go out there and do something great, but only that we approach our life, our normal, everyday life, as an opportunity to display great love. By being more attuned to the needs of others, 
more sensitive to interactions we tend to assume don't matter that much. And above all, by understanding that God's desire is to use all of our life, every single moment, everything that happens, to form us into people who feel at home in his kingdom. This simply is the meaning of Paul's words, may the God of peace sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to use our life here on earth every moment, Paul says, to allow the Holy Spirit to make us a little bit more like Sarah Smith, so that people who encounter us feel like a son, like a daughter, like someone with dignity, like someone who matters. Now, I imagine you might be thinking, well, that's a great idea, but I'm not sure I know how to do that. And you are absolutely right. You don't know how to do that, and you can't. Like Paul says, it is God who sanctifies us entirely. But that doesn't mean that we aren't given guidance on how to cooperate with God's work in our heart. And so briefly from today's readings, there are two things I want to mention about how we cooperate with the Holy Spirit's movement in our life. And atop the list is the utter centrality of gratitude. Not the emotion, which we can't control at all, but rather gratitude as a conscious practice. Listen again to what Paul says at the beginning of today's epistle. He writes, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks. Practice gratitude in all circumstances. Now, I do understand the resistance you may feel, especially if this has been an especially trying year, or even a traumatic year. But I do love us all too much to let us off the hook here. We can, and we should, give thanks to God for our life right now, even with the challenges, the hardship, the difficulty, and the confusion or in the language of right one, which I know for some of our parishioners is a love language, it is meet right in our bounden duty that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty, Everlasting God. In fact, I listened to a wonderful podcast this week that featured Andrew Huberman, a neuroscientist at Stanford University, and he was reflecting on what's been happening to our brains during COVID, both the downside and the potential upside. And to be clear, this was not a religious podcast. I have no reason to believe that Dr. Huberman is a man of faith. And so imagine how struck I was when all he wanted to talk about was gratitude. And in particular, all the cutting-edge research that's emerged in the past year about what happens to the human brain when 
five to ten minutes of stillness are set aside every day, coupled with an intentional and consistent practice of gratitude. Over time, according to Huberman, this creates a neurochemical signature in the brain that releases a bunch of dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin, all of which boost immunity, heal depression, and make us more resilient and purpose-conscious as human beings. And so whenever Paul says, it is God's will that we give thanks in all circumstances, we have many reasons to take Paul at his word, the physical byproducts of gratitude only being one of them. And to be very, very clear, Paul is not saying that we are to give thanks for all circumstances, only that we are to give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And when we fail to do this, Paul says, we quench the Spirit, a Greek word that means to extinguish a fire, meaning that God is somewhat of an arsonist, right? Because God is always at work setting some small fire in our hearts, a fire of hope, a fire of inspiration, a fire of courage, a fire of clarity, perhaps on how to handle a very complicated or delicate situation. But again, a core tenet of Christianity is God sets the fire, that God sanctifies us entirely. In fact, theologians have a word for this. They call it prevenient grace, meaning God always makes the first move. But what I hear Paul saying is that one of the ways that we are to cooperate with God's work is by putting our fire extinguisher down. A victim mentality, self-pity, blame, wanting what we don't have, not wanting what we do have, these all quench the Spirit of God. But gratitude is like gas, and the practice of gratitude accelerates God's work in our heart. The second thing I want to mention is humility. In today's gospel, when asked about his identity, John the Baptist confesses, I am not the Messiah. Perhaps this is something we all need to learn to say a bit more frequently in the coming weeks. Because at times, life can feel very impossible. Life is difficult right now. And it seems like every day we are asked to make decisions or to wade through situations where there is no clear right thing to do or to experience things that are painful and that we don't know how to resolve. And so Advent is a great time to remember that we don't have to be the hero, that we don't have to be perfect, that we don't have all the answers, that we are not the Messiah. And to remember that the words humor and humility share the same etymological root. I mean, right, whenever we have the humility 
to accept our limitations, life gets a lot more humorous. And gratitude for what we can do and gratitude for what we do have comes a lot more naturally. And so again, as you listen to Paul's epistle, we need to know there is nothing we need to do to sanctify ourselves entirely as we await our Lord's coming, only to cooperate with the God who is always at work setting some holy fire in our heart. That is all Sarah Smith did, and she is famous. The one who calls you is faithful, Paul says, and he will do this. And when God does, all of heaven will dance and offer unceasing words of gratitude, and we will feel the fame of heaven, which ironically is nothing more than gratitude expressed as humility. Amen.